Hello and welcome to the Thriving Broad Together podcast series and the last episode in this current series. I'm Louise Wiles, I'm the host for all of these conversations and the creator of the Thriving Broad podcast. I'm also an expat coach and author of Thriving Broad, the definitive guide to professional and personal relocation success. So thank you so much for joining me today. I wanted to finish this series of interviews with an overview of my key takeaways from this series of amazing conversations. And if you haven't yet listened to all of the interviews, then why not let me be your guide and help you in prioritising those that will be most relevant and helpful to you. So in this podcast, I'm going to share some of the key points from each interview and the ahas I took away. And I'd love to know whether you agree with those ahas. If no, not, what struck you most as you listened to the conversations? Come and share your thoughts and opinions on the Thriving Abroad page on Facebook or the Thriving Abroad Together closed Facebook group. It would be lovely to meet you there and to discuss the content with you there. Now, when I set out on creating this series of interviews, my aim was to provide conversations to support you, the listener, through challenging times. What I did not anticipate was quite the richness of the experience and insight that would be shared. Thank you so much to all the participants for so openly sharing their stories and for so freely sharing their advice, insights and inspiration. What struck me as I listened back to the episodes and reviewed the show notes was that this is such an amazing account of people from all over the world's reaction to this current extraordinary situation. While their tips and advice were centred on the current pandemic, so much of what's been discussed would be helpful in many, many challenging situations, particularly for those of us working through relocation through the change and transition of an international relocation. Therefore, I really hope that this content will have relevance and utility into the future beyond this current crisis. Now, I wanted to collate it all in a way that made sense. So I've decided to divide the series into four streams. So the four streams are, the first is strategies for positive parenting in challenging times. The second stream, strategies for coping well in times of uncertainty. The third stream, strategies for vibrant well-being in challenging times. And the fourth, strategies for effective management of our professional worlds in challenging times. Now in this episode, episode 21, part one, I'm going to reverse review the first two streams. And then in part two, I'll review the second two streams. Otherwise, it's going to be far too long an episode if I put them both together. Now, to help you for each stream, I have created a playbook which contains my ahas, as I discussed in this episode, and the show notes for each episode, including key messages from the conversations, useful links and questions to help you apply the content to your personal situation. I really want this content to to live beyond, you know, the publication of the podcast and to be helpful and beneficial to others. So, If you would like to access those playbooks, then go to thrivingbroad.com and register for the newsletter. I will send you a link to the download for the playbooks and also a fortnightly podcast newsletter so you and I can keep in touch and you can keep up to date with the future episodes of the Thriving Broad podcast. Now, a final word. I don't charge for any of the content created, 
through and for the Thriving Book Podcast. You know, it's my contribution to the world of global mobility and reflects my desire to give back to the international community that has supported me so well over the years. But you know, I would love for this podcast to help and to make a difference to the lives of other people through a charitable contribution in some way. And therefore, I've decided to support one of my more recent interviewees in her quest to support a charity and children's home in Lesotho. In episode 56, I spoke to Maxie Heppel about her move to the UK from South Africa and the creation of her business here in the UK. And through our conversation, I learned about the people of Lesotho who produce the rose hips used in her equine product marketed here in the UK. I also learned of the children's home that the Rosehip Company support in Lesotho called the Mantse Children's Home, which was created in 1979 to support children who need temporary or last resort care due to the illness or death of family members. Now, Maxi is running a funding programme to support the children's home. You can go to thrivingbroad.com and look for the tab Mantse and learn more there. There are a couple of videos and there is also a link to the donations page. Maxi says, children all over the world deserve the right to education and the kids at Mantise Children's Home are no different. However, living in a country that has been hit hard by HIV and poverty, education often takes a back seat to basic needs like food and shelter. Your donation would help us to help them to do more than just survive. We can all help them thrive. You can learn more about the charity on the Thriving Ball website. And if you would like to support by making a donation, I know that this would be very much appreciated. No donation is too small. Thank you so much. So, on to my review. Now, episode one was with Fabian Vales. And we talked about supporting children through educational disruption. Now, Fabienne shared why this was so pertinent for her at the point we spoke, as she and her family were all in quarantine, as it was suspected that her son might have the coronavirus and had been sent home from school. Now, happily, they are all now well, but this marked for them all the beginning of homeschooling and actually the beginning of homeschooling in the UK. Um, so for Fabian's kids, my kids, anyone, any kids in the UK, and also the students that Fabian is responsible for as Director of French Studies at the University of Bristol. Listen as Fabian shares her hopes for this educational pause in the UK. You will know from the work that I've done uh, that I'm not a great fan of um, exams that are really high-stake exams. Mm-hmm. Um, so my belief is that I, I think we put far too much emphasis on, on exam, end of year exams. And in fact, um, you know, this is where the difference between IEB, which is asking for more project work and sort of, uh, you know, coursework and then some final exams, in a way they help a bit more because it just means that you don't have all your eggs in one basket and just one yeah. mistake exam like we are so i didn't mention this at the beginning about the conversation about being in quarantine but actually for me coronavirus has also brought very positive aspects um 
and I'm quite a positive person, so I like to look at the what's the silver lining in everything. Um, and I really, I wonder, just wonder, it's a question mark, whether this is an opportunity for all of us, parents, students, educators, to just pause and think, do we really need exams in the format that we are having them right now? And this is the question I've been having, you know, I've been sort of observing what's going on and I'm just asking myself in the back of the, my, my mind. And I don't know, the, the, the part of me who's quite curious is wondering, hmm, could we use this to possibly look and approach both the way we educate? I mean, the fact that we're having to change all our curriculum and adapt to an online format, etc. Could we? Is it an opportunity to just press the pause button and to ask ourselves, can we change how we approach education, how we do things, mm -hmm. and use that in a positive way? Um, that said, again, I really understand young people who have worked their socks off and have been asked to do mocks of mocks of, uh, you know, of their exams mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and have, you know, given their heart and soul, pour their heart and soul into this to be told that it's not going to happen is going to be, of course, really upsetting, you know, mm -hmm. devastating, is going to create, you know, to the work I do is around flourishing, languishing, of course it's going to put people in the, in the more languishing sort of like survival mode because then it's loads of question marks. Aha, uh -huh. so thank you Fabienne. You know, my aha uh -huh, number one relates to this pressing the pause button that Fabienne talks about in relation to education. Now I'm interested in that as well, but also in terms of the conversations that have been had in the world of work about how to provide enhanced flexibility and how to better support the well-being of employees. And then of course there are the broader issues of society and community and the environment. My hope is that the new normal doesn't simply flip back to the old one. And we all of course have a part to play in creating this. So in, in pushing our pause button and wondering what we want to change and take forward into the new future. Finally, Fabian mentioned the impact the cessation of education has had on some students and the impact it will have had emotionally. And this is something that we're going to talk about in the next episode that I want to review with Elizabeth Gillies. So in this next episode with Elizabeth, called Calming Troubled Waters, Strategies to Help Parents Support Their Children in Challenging Times, episode 5, we talk about how we can best support children and children and students through change and difficult times. And I loved her approach and I totally recommend this episode to parents. Listen to Elizabeth now talk about the origins of our flight, fight and freeze reactions, our survival function, which formed the starting point for our conversation. Well, you know, I think we're wired for threat. That's, that's what we are. Our brain just knows it's looking for threat, we're alert, we're vigilant to it. And you have to think that our ancestors were likely risk averse. <laughs> That's why we're here. They were likely good problem solvers in it too. But we are on the lookout for danger and threat because that's what's going to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. and of course, when things are fine and calm, we aren't selectively attending to that because we don't have to act. So we only really have to act um, 
in a kind of very kind of brain focused way, our brain goes into kind of threat mode, fight, flight, freeze. And so that's why, you know, acting can help us and save us. And being, a, being a very aware of how we're threatened is really important to us. So it's a kind of survival function. It's there to keep us safe. Elizabeth emphasised how important it is for parents to model positive emotions and healthy reactions to difficult situations, anxiety and threat, and shared in our conversation many strategies and ideas about how to think about, talk about and cope with anxiety, negative emotions and worry. One strategy that particularly struck me as valuable for parents to share with their kids and teens is the concept of a healthy mind platter, Listen as Elizabeth explains more. And it's a real, it's kind of reminding us is that, you know, we need a balance of things. So just like you need a balance of colours and different food on your plate, you need a balance of things to keep your mind working well. It's not going to work well if you've just got, you know, the focus time is about when we're all actually sort of really focusing in on something that's uh, really important, a bit of work or if we're doing that time in when we're thinking a lot about things and things are going through our head. So we have to be careful that we're not doing just one of these things, that we need a balance. Uh, it's something that I use a lot with young people that I work with, especially when it comes around to exam time, or it would have been, mm -hmm. um, to kind of that focus time is the time when you're really working on things. So to make sure you've still got sleep and physical activities and connecting with other people, which I think is really important. People are finding interesting ways to do it now. Mm. Having a bit of time to play and have fun, um, a bit of downtime when you're doing absolutely nothing and time in to reflect on things. Be thinking about, you know, is, my, is this strategy that I've got for myself working? Am I, am I handling my anxiety in a way that's kind of working out fine for me? Um, Am I, am I doing the things that are supporting myself and other people? I'm, you know, so mm. you need a balance of those things that are, it's really, really important to keep because it's not just about doing one thing. It's, it's that kind of structure where we've got that, you know, are supporting the whole of us so that our mind is working well. So my aha number two, taken from this interview, is to nurture my healthy mind platter so that I'm better equipped to model a healthy emotional response to challenging situations, which of course is beneficial to me personally, but also models a healthy approach to living for my children. What about you? So I now want to take you on to episode 10 with Carolyn Pass-Rizzo, where we talked about why does your child do that? Understanding the four coping styles. And this was absolute gold to me. We started with a really good reminder of the developmental ages and stages of children, which Carolyn talked through beautifully. If you go to minute 10, 10 minutes in, you'll be able to access, access that. And then she talks about how understanding these helps us to decide how best to explain difficult or challenging times to children. But what was so valuable was the explanation of the four coping styles. Listen as Carolyn introduces the topic of current coping styles and the factors that influence our coping styles, which can be flexible. 
<laughs> there's so many factors, right? There, there's temperament and there's personality and there's dyna family dynamic, that, all of this that was already in place. But I think, yeah, it's helpful to focus on, on coping style right now, because I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see that rise up <clears throat> and um, in yourself in your, and, and, and in your family members. Yeah. Um, and you're right. The coping, the coping style, it can also change. It's not like, um, I mean, it's kind of related to attitude in a way, but it's, it's, you could have two different coping styles going on at the same time. So for instance, a child may cope really well under stress at school. Maybe they're, that's just kind of where they excel and are able to handle it. And they know, they know what to do to get themselves through school stress. But when it comes to any other kind of like threat to their wellness or the wellness of the people that they love, they, they either because they don't have experience with that or just because for whatever reason, they have a different, they may have a different coping style that has to do with that. So mm -hmm. sometimes people will be like, I'm so surprised that my child's, you know, acting this way because at school, you know, they, they seem to deal with stress really well. Mm -hmm. So just know that that's, um, it's normal and, um, you know, just to pay attention and that's, and, and, you know, I think that it's helpful. Maybe that's where this next piece of information is helpful to know, like, to be able to identify their coping style. Yeah, and so it's really worth taking time to go and listen to Carolyn as she describes the four coping styles. Understanding my coping style and thinking about my daughters, I have two daughters, their possible coping styles and my husband's really helped me think about how we could use that understanding to better manage our interactions. Um, and the fact that I, for example, I'm what's called a sensitizer in Carolyn's four coping styles, which means I really quite enjoy um, getting all the detail about the current COVID-19 situation. I enjoy reading about the research and understanding that, whereas one of my daughters absolutely is not. She's a minimizer, perhaps even a denier at times, which meant that now, she really does not want to have those conversations. And I was a bit puzzled by, by, by this. But these coping styles really helped me to understand what was going on. Um, but also what I loved about my conversation with Carolyn was her talking about releasing our expectations of our children. And that's probably something as a parent you might be familiar with. Fabian had touched on it in terms of allowing her boys the space to make some of their own educational decisions. And this reminded me to have faith in my daughters to make their decisions and make good decisions themselves. So listen to Carolyn's words about giving our children space in these difficult times. Just this last thought of, of you know, especially with teens and releasing some of our expectations and letting go a little bit um, of we think they should be doing or what how they should be acting i guess we all need we all need to to have some self compassion right now for ourselves as partners as individuals as um parents and and you know remember that they're going like you said earlier they're going through their own have some empathy for them they're going through their own experiences too and to, mm -hmm. the more compassion and empathy we can bring into the picture i think the better we'll all fare and not not just for in our own families but for for all out there yeah. that are struggling right now through um 
this global situation. So my aha number three is understanding the four coping styles and then using that knowledge to provide targeted support that will be appreciated by our kids and probably other family members. Now finally, in this series of supporting parents, in thinking about supporting children and teens, Florence Chabert talked about the brain gym in episode 18. You know, at a time when it can be difficult for anyone to fully focus on the tasks at hand, the Brain Gym offers simple exercises designed to warm up our brains, leading to enhanced concentration and calmed emotions. Listen as Florence introduces the Brain Gym to you. The Brain Gym is a program of body movements that is designed to help engage the brain and improve learning. Um, so Brain Gym is also a program of uh, what we call educational uh, kinesiology. So maybe you would have heard about the term educate. And um, mm -hmm. it's basically 26 exercises. Um, that's meant like to draw out learning using movements. It has been created by uh, Mr. Paul Denison. He's the creator of the education kinesiology, and he has worked with students and children and uh, adults uh, who were stressed or, um, or, you know, who had trouble dealing with their emotions and mm -hmm. really, really use Brain Gym to um, unfold each and every one potential and uh, help really um, the brain work with our system so we can have this balance we can, which actually can help us in each and every situation. So what hit home for me from this conversation with Florence and my aha number four was that we really need to prepare our brains to work effectively, not just demand it. And you can go to the Thriving Board website and look for the blog post associated with this episode, episode 18, and you'll find there a video where Florence takes us through one of the exercise sequences called PACE. So worth going and taking a look at that and seeing what it's all about. So there you have it in that first um, stream of interviews, four interviews for parents containing really great and pretty specific content in terms of how to best support your children and teens in challenging times. So fantastic, that brings us to the end of the first stream of interviews from the Thriving Board Together series. You can access the playbook for these four interviews from thrivingboard.com. Go and sign up for the newsletter and I will send you an email with the links to the four playbooks associated with this series. So now moving on to the highlights from the second stream of interviews, strategies for coping well in times of uncertainty. So here I review another amazing five podcast conversations. And the first one was with Daniela Tomar, a clinical psychologist. And in episode nine, we talked about finding our new balance in uncertain times. We discussed how living internationally has made for many people an already challenging situation even more complex. Some families have been split across borders, job securities have been has been challenged, or for some, emergency repatriations have been necessary. And this, for many, has led to enhanced levels of anxiety, understandably. And Daniela described the range of reactions she believes people were experiencing as a result of the pandemic and offered some strangely reassuring thoughts about what is now normal. Listen as she explains. 
So um, one of the first thing that I would personally recommend is actually uh, accepting the fact that what usually in normal days we can consider as pathology, like if somebody is very anxious, so we will think, okay, he, this is kind of an abnormal reaction. So what used to be abnormal is our new normal. Yes. In a way, uh, normalizing the fact that, yes, you will feel more anxious, you will mm -hmm. feel more mm -hmm. stress. Uh, you have to manage your energy and understand that when we are stressed, our level of energy, we are losing, you know, mm -hmm. our resources in a way. So we have to readjust also our expectations from ourselves and from others. So this is time actually to understand that this is what we are going through and accept this really abnormal situation as part of our current life that we don't know for how long it will be. Mm, but mm. I would almost say that we have to accept it and try to, you know, relax, embracing our anxiety mm. because they, they are here to be with us for, for, for the time being. This yeah. will be part of our uh, life for now. So we have to find a way to live with them and not mm. necessarily fight them. Um, so how do we do that? We try to find um, a new um, roadmap right. to, mm -hmm. to create clarity. So this strikes me as both a disturbing outcome of the current crisis, but also personally quite calming. I wonder what you think. Now my aha from this conversation, so aha number five, was the good news that Daniela shared in relation to our adaptability. As a species, we are adaptable, she says. And additionally, as expats or people who've lived internationally, we are used to having to adjust to new situations. And we can engage this knowledge and these skills now to help us through this current experience, as Daniela explains here. First of all, we have to understand that the, 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 the basic uh, thing that we all share in common, uh, we are species that we are very adjustable. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. our tendency is to adjust to new realities. Some of us are doing it better than others. We know it very well, like even in transitioning through new countries, we see that each one of us may have a different kind of uh, strategy, known or unknown, conscious or unconscious, but and also very different piece of adjustments. So this is, you can even look at it as transitioning in a different mm. kind of lifestyle. So you will see the difference coping skills, the different pace, but we will all have our cycles. So the first, you know, round will be, you know, as we said, the first reaction, it doesn't necessarily mean that we will keep on being with the same intensity during all the time. We mm -hmm. adjust. When we adjust, so then we start to try out different strategies. We hear from others, you know, and, you know, we try things that people are uh, telling us to do, so, you know, it can be sports, it can be reading, it can be any other tip that you can get. You try them out, some can work better than others for you. Mm -hmm. This is the mm -hmm. second cycle. But when you feel, as you just mentioned, that you're a bit more settled, that you have a bit of more, a better sense of what's going on, that's the time when you can go back 
to be more creative also. So the good news is we are all adaptable as a species and once we reach a point of acceptance and sense-making in relation to the new reality and acknowledge it, we can be more creative and proactive in making the best of it. So moving on now to my conversation in episode 12 with Vivian Shiona, a health psychologist, keeping emotions in motion. We talked about the typical reactions that she's noticed people in her professional practice having to the pandemic situation. And you know, I always love a good strategy and Vivian's strategy for coping with stress was my definite aha from this conversation. Listen as Vivian explains and outlines the strategy. Okay, because I think these days all of us, we have been bombarded by long text on tips about managing coronavirus crises and how to respond to this and that. And at the end of the day, then we don't know what exactly what to do about it. I will try okay. to keep it simple. And I mean, as a health psychologist, I can talk for hours, but I will really keep it simple because uh, the overall stress management, 50% is our lifestyle, 24% is our bond, like how we set boundaries, and another 25% is how we respond to what is happening to us. So I'll give you some further information on that. 50% is our lifestyle, which means mm. how, like how, much, how many hours do we sleep, how well we eat, if we drink enough water, if we drink less caffeine or alcohol, if we get enough rest, if we are connected with friends, like, and if we have social support. Um, this lifestyle now has to be adapted to the circumstances. So for example, it's very important to find structure in, in our days and to have a different structure for the weekdays and a different structure for the weekends. So moving on from that explanation in our interview, Vivian gives many practical ideas and approaches for coping with stress. And I really recommend you listen to it to hear those. We then talked a bit about people who might be worrying and feeling quite anxious about the future and the impact that can have on the way they think about the future. And Vivian offered this suggestion. We cannot predict the future. And the thing is that for those, let's say, who have more anxiety or some depressive thoughts or they're struggling right now, most likely what is happening is that they project negatively into the future. So mm. this actually mm. adds more anxiety and makes the whole situation overwhelming. Because when you're already like this, most likely you're not thinking of a bright future that everything will go well, but you're afraid that you're going to lose everything you have. So sometimes it helps, you know, to think, what actually can be the worst scenario that can happen to you? You know, sometimes answering this question can alleviate many of your fears because you'll think, okay, actually, if this was happening, I would be able to manage it. And then you can ask yourself, what's the best scenario that can happen? And then to ask, okay, what's the realistic scenario? And try to make an action plan for this one. You know, I love these three questions and I've used them myself in challenging times and found them to be really effective. So now moving on to my next conversation, my interview with Sunday Schneider-Bean, episode eight, where we talked about strategies to help make this your best worst thing. If you can get your head around that one, you're doing very well. Now, one of the outcomes of social distancing, as it has been called, is the impact it has on the way in which we socialise and how we communicate and connect with people. 
Now, a better way of perhaps phrasing what we're all being required to do would have been to talk about the need for physical distancing whilst maintaining in some way social connection, particularly in times when isolation and loneliness have become much more prevalent and bigger features of our everyday lives. Much of our communication has moved online as a result of physical distancing and Sunday shared great strategies to help us develop more meaningful online connections. I think when we're thinking about meaningful, I would um, first look at the technology that you're looking at. If you have met someone face-to-face on on a routine basis, then swap the face-to-face with a technology, then meet over FaceTime or some interface. So don't let that go away from your routine because obviously they were important in your life and continue that. You also might want to think about what I call the, there's like a technology swirl of connection. It's a spiral that goes up. If you have been connecting with people just over text, think about bringing that up one level, then send them an audio message instead. If you're doing audio message, maybe thinking about sending them a video. So the richness of the technology as it goes up, it helps create a higher level of connection. So really Mm -hmm. simple things like that um, can help. But I'm going to suggest something a little bit different that's away from technology. When let's say you are on FaceTime or you are, you know, WhatsApping someone, I would encourage people to use this unique situation to do things differently. So we, from a communication perspective, we, we work on scripts. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Right. Or if you're in a Francophone place, it's like, how are you? I'm fine. The family and the children and the crops, right? There's these scripts that we work on with people. And I want us to use this unique, I call it a global transition, right? Of this crisis to do things differently. So when you're talking to someone, give yourself permission to break from scripts mm-hmm. and um, really give space to go deeper. And that might be things like you could say, gosh, you know what I've been thinking? And then you share what's been on your mind that day. Or you say, you know what I wish? You know, I know that what's hardest for me that you, you do, you talk differently with your people and what that's doing is creating connection. It's creating vulnerability. I love those ideas and I think they could be helpful socially or even in work settings where we're wishing to build our connections and authenticity with others. Now, I also really enjoyed Sunday's content about dealing with high-stake challenges. Sunday shared a range of strategies to help in these times, from stopping yourself, looking for too much external validation and knowing when to look internally for the answers and also prioritising self-care in challenging times. Sunday finished by giving this advice to people who are making difficult relocation decisions. People who are asking themselves, what do we do? Mm-hmm. Like, do we stay or we do, do we go? Or they're trying to make a tough decision. Yeah. Do we repatriate? Do we stay here? Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage those families to not get focused on strategy, I would first look on the values. What are the core values of your family, of what you need right now, and then what strategies can help meet those needs or values, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? So when when we were in Burkina and the third thing that happened was there was a terrorist attack, 
And um, the question was, so do we stay here or do I take the kids, you know, my husband had to stay for work. Do I take the kids away? And now we're splitting our family up. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. what do we do? And to make that decision, we, we got clear in our values. We're fun, freedom, and security. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. with, you know, let's say the Al-Qaeda Maghreb in town, <laughs> we're like, okay, for us to stay secure, that's going to limit our fun and freedom. Yeah. Right. If we want to have fun and freedom, we're compromising our security. So what if we went, you know, to Switzerland yeah. until, until we had more clarity, we could have fun, freedom and security. Yeah. yeah. And so that's how we made the decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And yeah. I can't make that for a families, right? The families need to get really clear on what their core values are, what their core needs are. My aha from this conversation is that it's essential to know what our personal values are and then use those values to make important life decisions. I know this has helped me in the past. How about you? Now for the next interview, we go off to Mexico and to my conversation with Doreen Cumberford, episode 14, Finding Lessons in Adversity. Doreen's current sojourn in Mexico is the result of a house-sitting assignment gone slightly wrong. Their assignment was cancelled, but not before it was too late to return to the United States. And so they've had to remain in place as a result of the COVID-19 epidemic pandemic and remain in Mexico. Now, I loved what Doreen had to say about asking ourselves what we are meant to be learning in any given experience and how she believes that much of our international experience is an exercise in building resilience and that this then gives us strength in adversity. Doreen's suggestion for dealing with challenging times was that we need to take time to live more in the question before rushing into the how. Listen as she explains. I think that the how, you know, I think as human beings, we frequently don't live in the question enough. Mm -hmm. And we jump into the how very quickly because mm -hmm. when we're in the how, how is this going to work? Um, we are trying to gain control. You know, we're yeah. trying to take action. And when we take action, we're in control. And we're trying to um, channel our energy into doing something. And mm -hmm. I think that really before we do that there needs to be an examination of where we are and just sitting with it dorian ended our conversation by explaining her concept of global heartedness this really gave me food for thought and forms my aha number eight listen as dorian explains for expats living overseas who are fractured or frazzled or just fed up with the situation. I think it's important to express and be a good example of global heartedness because we're all civilian diplomats, whether we know it or not. <laughs> and the world behaving better and governments behaving better, I think starts with individuals behaving better. So I talk a lot about global heartedness and just having that human connection. Um, and 
working in collaboration. So wherever you are, in whatever really challenging circumstances, I can only begin to imagine. I would just encourage that you spend time giving yourself um, a little dose of global heartedness and encouraging you to do something to reach out and make the not only where you are in your own community a better place, but also in your host community and expressing um, compassion for each other across the globe would be really helpful right now. Samoha number eight. If we all approached our international lives from a perspective of global heartedness, it would really help to build a movement. We're all civilian diplomats, whether we know it or not. I love that. So now moving on to the ninth podcast and the theme of emotional resilience. I spoke to Linda Jansen in episode 19 about resilient global transitions and how we can replenish our resilience in challenging times. You know, today, generally, there really is so much talk about resilience, isn't there, particularly in the business world, and how important it is to have high levels of resilience. And I absolutely don't doubt that. But from my conversation with Linda, I was reminded that it's not something that we either have or don't have. It's something that ebbs and flows over time. It's also something that many of the conversations highlighted in this episode have touched upon, as so much does influence our resilience. And Linda's introduction absolutely highlights that. And so it's defined as the psychological ability to adapt to significant challenges, setbacks, um, everyday stresses, but crises and misfortunes that life throws our way. And the key to it is, while maintaining, or what's more likely, while returning to a positive view of oneself. And, uh, you know, that can be very challenging. Uh, and I think what, when you think of emotional resilience, what I think of is it's a combination of managing some form of transition or levels of transitions, and then which cause you to have to adapt to change and then growing from the adversity that comes out of that. And that growth is, you know, can be over time. This is not to imply that it's, you know, this instantaneous thing or that I just decide I'm going to be more resilient. Um, it, you know, it, this, it takes time because you're internally right. processing events as well as physically living them. Uh, yeah. But what I think is really helpful to keep in mind is that, I mean, we don't appreciate it during, but in periods of the greatest transition and change, which means greatest uncertainty, greatest difficulty, we are experiencing, or we have the potential to experience and come out of that with the greatest growth. Now, in our conversation, we covered a huge range of content, and I really recommend you go and take a listen. But one of the things that struck me was when Linda talked about the need to revive. It seemed a really timely suggestion. What she said was that we survive and then we want to move to thrive. But in between, we need to give ourselves the time and space to revive. Uh, you hear a lot of uh, talk um, about um, surviving, moving from surviving to thriving. And what I think is really important is in between survive and thrive is the need to revive. 
And I think that is just such a lovely thing to say and a lovely way to end this podcast episode and actually conclude with my aha and my aha number nine from this episode and this podcast episode with Linda Jansen. So thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope it's given you some oversight for each of the episodes and some enthusiasm to go and listen to them. Remember, you can go to thrivingabroad.com, register for the newsletter, and I will send you links to the playbooks, which contain all the show notes from each of these episodes. Please help me to spread the word about the episodes in this podcast series and the podcast generally. I would be so grateful if you would share it and pass the news on and help me to build the audience because it's something I love to do and I really find value in the conversations and I so hope other people will too. If you have any suggestions for future episodes then please get in touch with me louise at louisewiles.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you or as I said at the beginning come and join us in the Facebook group Thriving Abroad Together Facebook group. Thank you so much for listening. Wherever you are in the world, please take care, stay well and healthy. And I will be back soon with the next episode in the Thriving Abroad podcast. Bye-bye for now.